We are angry people. We're giving up a lot during this Lenten season, and today I'm talking to you about giving up anger. You see, we hold tightly to our privilege to be angry, hold a grudge, and then live in resentment toward a situation or persons that done done us wrong. As hard as this information is to swallow, Jesus has inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words, and I want you to read them with me. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ. Amen. This is the word of God. You see, anger and resentment kills us inside. And I wondered when we were passing out the assignments on giving up why I got anger. Because after all, I said, I'm not angry. Far be it from me to hold a grudge. I'm usually not like that. Anybody can tell you, and this happened yesterday, I was at a funeral of a childhood friend of mine and all the people from the block came up and said, you've always been a happy person. And then I thought about this message today. And you know when God gives you something to prepare, he convicts you first. He makes you go deep inside yourself and figure out why you're learning what you're learning. And for me, I found some spots in my life that I needed to take care of before I could even get up here and preach to you. But anger and resentment, as I mentioned before, kills us inside and can literally send us spiraling towards illness, both mental and physical. Resentment is this cozy little coffin that we bury ourselves in as we seek revenge for life's ills, and we do seek revenge. I don't know about you, but the thought of killing myself softly in disobedience rather than flourishing in love makes me want to let it go and give up being angry. On Valentine's Day of this year, my sweet and lovely husband came to Christ Church laden with some flowers and was gonna take me to lunch. And that's why I love this man. I'll be married to him 40 years in August. And he gets better as the years go by. Of course, that has a lot to do with me. But <laughs> he gets better as the years go by. <laughs> and we got to a spot. We decided where we wanted to go. And we, I drove, and he got in the car, and we moved into the parking lot, not too far from here. And as I pulled in the parking lot, 
um, there was a car that didn't see me coming in and began to back out as I was backing into another spot. So you know those awkward situations where it can be a real collision if you're not careful. That was what was happening to me. So I stopped. And when I stopped, I honked so the driver could see me getting into the spot so she wouldn't back out anymore. Give me a chance to back in, I'll let you go. This is how I learned, it's called driver courtesy. Well, the driver, before I knew it, had turned a deep shade of purple and kept backing out. So I stopped, kind of panicked a little bit. Okay, what should I do? Should I move this way? Should I move that way? And all of a sudden, I looked at their face and it got deeper than the purple and the words started coming out and I could read lips really well because I was a kid and I had to check out what my mother was saying to my father without me knowing it. So I started to read her lips and I mean every name but a child of God I got called. And so initially my thought was to my husband, I said, honey, what if I open the door and came, he says, you're going to be in jail and on the news, <laughs> close the door. I said, but, but people are always talking stuff, and then if you actually were going to do this, Felicia, go into the spot, and let's go have Valentine's lunch. Don't go to jail today. <laughs> but as we walked towards the restaurant, I said, Stephen, what would make somebody so angry? I mean, it's just a parking spot. It's just a lane that I passed to get in front of you on the expressway. You know, it's just, you know, courtesy. Why are you so angry over a parking spot? And then I begin to think, and I guess this is the pastor part of me, something else must be going on. Sometimes when people lash out, there's something going on in their lives. And before we ate, we prayed for that person. Lord, whatever is going on today, maybe the kids are giving her fits, maybe there's a divorce, maybe there's a lack of resources, maybe any of that is going on. But Lord, help this person because if she does it again, it might not be me the next time and it might not be a parking space. But help her, Father. Well, I wish I could say that at the end of it, um, her car was righted and everything before we got out, but she zoomed out of the parking lot and almost hit somebody going out because she was so mad at the action and transaction that it had between us. Because I have a relatively long drive coming here daily, about 45 minutes, I see road rage. I saw a fight break out on 95th Street. I see unnecessary confrontations, mostly in traffic, because that's where I spend a lot of my time, because people, folks, are angry. You see it too. You see it in your office. You see vengeful, passive-aggressive behavior and fights. On television, we get a larger dose of angry people doing reality TV and, unfortunately, at the highest levels of our government. We see anger. We are just angry people. Last week in our Giving Up series, we gave up the need to be right, or we talked about it anyway. Dan mentioned how the dopamine flows in our brains when we are in the heat of proving ourselves right. But let me share with you a list used by Johns Hopkins Harvard Medical Center and MedWeb of further health problems that arise with increased anger. It said at the beginning of the list, it said, the constant flood of stress chemicals associated metabolic changes during unmanaged anger can eventually cause harm 
to many systems of the body, and you'll see them up here. Some of the short and long-term problems have been linked to unmanaged anger include a headache, migraines, digestion problems, abdominal pain, insomnia, increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, heart attack, and even stroke. The study went on further to say that if we live in unresolved anger without finding peace and stress carries in our body, it speeds up and exacerbates diseases that are deadly to us. Now, don't get me wrong, I totally understand righteous indignations. I think there are times when we have every right to be angry. But the scripture says, as our brother uh, read, to put away anger. And the passage we read said, don't go to sleep angry. We have a responsibility, especially as believers, to deal with anger. Now let me preface this by saying these instructions that we read are for the body of Christ. Because whether we admit it or not, the same contentious fights and angers go on with us in our homes and in our churches. I'm sure we know some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're honest with ourselves, who are plagued daily with some memory of someone, some other church, something that happened to us, some institution, and well, some other Christian who has done what that person on the street did to me in their anger. When someone or something pokes that undealt with sore spot in us, we rehearse the whole thing all over again. I do that as if it happened. Then I think of more stuff that happened while I'm rehearsing it. Oh, I forgot that they did this too. And then sometimes I go on further and say, well, the next time they say that to me, I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna say this back. And of course I never do because I'm not ready in the moment because I'm not thinking about it. That's called holding a grudge and seeking revenge. I think they're the cousins of anger. Revenge and grudge are the cousins of anger. Leviticus 19:18 says in the Bible, do not seek revenge, bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, if you're like me, um, I'm an oldest child, and so I'm always fixing things for everybody. And I would try to fix arguments that my brothers and sisters would have. My mother would say, would you go out there and stop them from fighting until I got kicked one time by my brother. I said, you're on your own, buddy, after that. But to understand that the Lord is on our side, that he saw what happened. He knows what happened to you when you were seven or eight. He knows that that business deal went awry and it wasn't your fault. I am the Lord. And folks, if you wait long enough, he'll take care of it for you. Then it goes on in Job chapter 5, verse 1, particularly verse 2 says, Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. It works on us. It does something to us, especially as believers, if we don't give up being angry. Then in Job 36, 13, the word of God says, The godless in heart harbor resentment. I don't know if there's room for me to have scripture going on and study and Bible study going on if over here the other part of me is filled with resentment and rage over some things that don't mean a thing to people. Oftentimes people will walk up to me because sometimes I have a serious face 
And they go, smile. And I go, I don't have anything to smile about. And if I was walking around like that, you'd think something was wrong with me. But a lot of times people will say, I know you're thinking this. I know you're thinking that. And I tell them, you know, I'm really thinking about the pot roast that I put in the oven and hoping I put it on 275 instead of 375 and that it will be ready when I get home from church. I'm not thinking about resentment or what you did to me because I know that if I don't let that go, I'll end up sick. There's a proverb that is contributed to everybody I know, but it says, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Guess what? You're going to need one, too. Brothers and sisters, we waste a lot of time in life rehearsing what angers us, and even more time rehearsing how to respond to that anger instead of making a deliberate decision to give it up, especially when you know a person did not mean to hurt you. Well, I've got a little thing I want to share with you. And let's look at the Word of God and read what we read together earlier in the context of this acronym. Here's something that in the quick of the moment, and it has to be in the quick of the moment. I don't know about you, my husband used to always say, I say, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking when I did that. He said, you thought about it. You have to think about everything before you do it or say it, no matter how fast it happens. So when you're in that fix of anger and those stories coming back to you and that resentment and that harm and hurt that came to you when you were younger, let's try these tips. Close the door on anger. Therefore, the scripture says in that same passage in Ephesians, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin or let the sun go down while you're angry or give a foothold to the devil. Now, um, I've had a lot of experience with the enemy in my life pushing me to do things and trying to get my uh, vision off the mark that God has set. But it took me a minute to learn as a believer to deal with things in the moment and then know when not to. So you got to know that each week as I was preparing for this sermon, something happened. It always does. And I get to practice what I'm getting ready to preach. And I had to learn that no matter what anybody did, that God would give me the ability if I slowed the situation down to think about it and not respond. And that's what happened. I'm telling you, each week I got ready to preach this sermon, something happened. Something happened and my anger went to 10 in about two seconds and I heard this verse, Felicia, be angry and don't sin. I said, well, well how come I can't sin? <laughs> how come I can't do it back? And the scripture clearly said to me the second week, you can be angry because what that person did to you was wrong or irrational, but don't let it make you respond in the same angry way. So about that parking lot incident, I chose to pray in the moment. And when I got back to my office here, it ran through my mind again. And then I began to pray for that person that whatever they were facing, that God would bring them peace. Because to get that angry, and that belligerent and your blood pressure up over a parking space, there had to be more going on. Even when the situation arose in my mind again, and I was getting ready to tell somebody about it, the Lord said, shut up, pray for her again. 
Because if I had gotten out of that car, the devil would have gotten the victory and you all would have been reading about one of your church leaders on the news. <laughs> it wouldn't have made any sense. The second thing, operate on your own shortcomings. Operate on those shortcomings that when you know you're angry, those things that go over and over again in your mind and the way you respond to what someone has done to you, operate on those. It says anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his hands that they may have something good to share with those in need. Now, we know that this is talking literally about in the body of Christ at the church of Ephesus, somebody was probably stealing, maybe taxes, maybe money, but we all have something. It might not be stealing. It might be lying. It might be, you know, just budget a little bit on the taxes. It might be something, you know, not quite telling the truth to our spouse when we spent too much money. Or it might be something far bigger than that. Whatever you're doing, stop. If I'm working on my own shortcomings, I don't have time to worry about other folks. I believe this portion of the verse does what I said about the literal, but I'm saying that there are hidden sins that we all have that we must operate on. Make a decision over and over again if it need be when the anger comes to cut it out, to do something new, to respond in kindness because that builds the fellowship we need with God and with each other. After operating on my own shortcomings, I just need to zip my lips. That's the Z in this. Close the door on anger, operate on my own shortcomings, zip my lips. The last thing that happened to me last week before preaching this sermon could have got me in deep trouble. And literally, I sat there like this. I wanted to lash out. I wanted to say, this is wrong. You are wronging me. This shouldn't be this way. And the Lord said, just shut up. I got it. I got you. And I always hear my mother's voice say, okay, little girl, I got you. Go sit down. And that's what I feel that, that Jesus was saying to me. And no sooner than I didn't say anything, the truth came out. And I didn't have to do a thing. So sometimes it's just good to shut up, isn't it? It's just good to zip your lips, to think about it, to rehearse, did it really happen this way or am I just agitated about something else? Am I just angry from something that happened yesterday? For it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit in the process with whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Sometimes talking it over with our girlfriends or our male friends or our spouses is really not helpful, maybe once, but if we keep it up, if you're like my husband, he just kind of turns over and goes to sleep. <laughs> because at some point I'm riling myself up again and it's not necessary, so let go of that. Say it, give it to God, walk away from it, let him handle it. Practice not rehearsing the offense over and over again in your head, but especially to and with others, as I mentioned before. Because this stuff can paralyze you. I've been angry enough where I couldn't move, I couldn't get up. Some, something happened to me so bad one time that I just was depressed and couldn't move for a couple weeks. And my kids were watching, and the Holy Spirit said to me, 
along with Charles Swindoll on the radio. If you don't get over this, those kids will never believe God can do this for them. I immediately got up, apologized to everybody, and said, I just needed to be in a little funk for a while, but I'm okay now. The anger dissipated, and we went back to normal. The fourth thing is why yearn for peace, forgiveness, and a renewed relationship with God and others. God wants us to be in fellowship with him. The separation that Jesus experienced from his father at the cross was agonizing, but as we grow in faith, the separation in sin that we have from Christ when we have not repented is pretty bad as well. I don't know of any of you who just slipped away from Christ. I remember in college just exploring a little bit and not being as close as I should have been to the Lord, and I kept thinking there's something wrong. And it was that emptiness, it was that separation. So yearn for that peace, yearn for that forgiveness for the wrong that you can give to others and they can give to you. But the renewed fellowship with God and others frees me up when I'm not angry to be used by the Holy Spirit in the lives of others. Because that scripture says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. In this world that we live in, kindness can go a long way. We've forgotten how to be kind to one another. We've forgotten how to bump into somebody and not roll our eyes and say, watch where you're going, instead of saying, excuse me, I'm sorry. We've forgotten how to be kind when someone cuts in front. I mean, those are the little things. You know, Scripture talks about the little foxes, and we get in the habit of doing those small things in vengeful, grudge-begetting kind of ways, and the next thing you know, they spill over into big things. What if you could just be kind when you come in the sanctuary and somebody's sitting in your seat? Don't ask them to slide down. But just go to another seat. What happens when somebody has your mail, or the mailman, my mailman delivers my mail to the next block all the time. And I finally just said, Lewis, what is wrong with you? I don't know, Ms. Thompson. I said, well, could you try purposefully to get the mail right, because I don't have to go around the block. Now, I could have been mad, like my other neighbor, and called down, for, and Lewis might have lost his job. Why would I go that far? without dealing with the simple thing that's right in front of me. I like Lewis. I want him to feed his family. And I could go to 10 in a heartbeat and do that, or I could say, Lewis, let's work on this a little better, you know, and love him. It's nothing like walking in lockstep with your brothers and sisters, whether at work, in play, especially with fellow believers. Not a week ago, a friend shared an opportunity to make or break a confrontation at her job. She decided, I better call Felicia, because we're good, good friends, because I got a feeling that I'm getting set up for something, and so she did. And she said, I, I, I just feel this is not gonna go well. What should I do? And my comment was one that I'd learned from many older saints in my life, and it was to position yourself for peace. When you feel somebody's coming at you, I always, that's what I think, I said, whatever they do, I'm gonna love them. 
And that's the deliberate thing I learned over the years of making mistakes. You coming, you're gunning for me, I said something wrong in the pulpit, I did something wrong somewhere else, but my position as a mature believer in Christ is to position myself to make it peaceful, whatever it is. You can do that. I know you think I'm talking about something super spiritual, but everybody in this room can do that. And I told her, there's nothing so bad, and this is true, a criticism, a lie, fixed just right to stir up your righteous indignation, or somebody who's directing their anger towards you that the Lord can't give you the power to react to. Those same old folks will remind me, Felicia, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And that meant that when someone comes at me, try to find the truth in what they're saying about me, fix that part of it, and the rest of it is bones. Just put them in a pile where they belong. And don't spend a whole lot of time. The other portion of that scripture says that if we hold a grudge and try to get revenge, we compound the anger, that scripture tells us. Spit out the bones, guys. Pray. Give up. Lord knows we want Christ to forgive us. And as you get closer to the grave, I always say that as I get, the older I get, the older I get. <laughs> and things start to happen in my life physically and that change me. And I don't want that anger in my bones and in my system to make me not be able to love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. So it's a deliberate, a deliberate attempt a deliberate action to forgive because I want Christ to forgive me. Sometimes my life is really raggedy <laughs> and I have to go back time and time again and say, Jesus, forgive me for that. I didn't mean to or forgive me for that because I did mean to. I want to live in fellowship with him and with other people. So that acronym that you saw if we can put it back up, it spells cozy. Because earlier I mentioned that we dig and we put ourselves in a cozy coffin of anger. But when I'm in fellowship with Jesus and my friends, I'm at a cozy place in my spirit. So when you can't think of what to do, close the door on anger, operate on your own shortcomings, Zip your lips, <laughs> yearn for peace, forgiveness, and renewed fellowship with God, and you will find yourself in a cozy place. Make a deliberate decision to do so and give up anger. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. It's concise, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts to the bone of us. It points out the things in us that need to be right, control, and now, Lord, the anger that's within us. Help us to respond by asking your forgiveness and then starting all over again because your mercies are new every morning because you are faithful to us, oh God. We ask your blessing on us in Jesus' name, amen.